Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on most of the major podcast apps. But you're listening to a podcast, so you probably know how that works. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. But I keep forgetting to post over there, so, you know. No big deal. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. This is the week. Toronto Sketchfest Screen Time Edition begins Wednesday, March 23rd and runs through Sunday, March 27th. A whole bunch of shows including Sketch in 60, Sketch Train, which I'm hosting, and a number of other showcases, including a live-streamed show, Sunday night. There's a bunch of panels and workshops throughout the weekend as well. All the information can be found at torontosketchfest.com. Today's guest is Chelsea Larkin, one half of Little Rascals, based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Chelsea's first sketch is called Tanya. Chelsea reads the role of Tanya with a brief cameo as the secretary, I read both the principal and Tanya's mother, as well as give any of the visual information that you might need to know. All right, so let's go to the sketch. A principal motions a student into his office. Get in here, Tanya. Sit down. Shut up. You can't tell me what to do. Oh, yes, I can, Missy. I'm top dog at the school, and you best not forget it. You a dog, then get on your knees and beg for a bone. Excuse me? I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Now, what are you doing, Tanya? What am I doing? Sitting here, farting in your office. What? No, I meant... You know what I meant. And please stop breaking wind in my office. It's very disrespectful. I'll do what I want, stupid. You can't keep me from farting. That's why we have freedom. Okay, enough of the attitude, Tanya. And the farts. We need to discuss what you just did in Mrs. Corby's class just now. I didn't do nothing. Uh Uh-huh. You, in fact, did do something. You spat on another student. She asked me for a piece of gum, bitch. You slapped gender Ted when he came in to get the garbage. I told him to eat the garbage, and he wouldn't. Dumbass. You referred to Mrs. Corby as Mrs. Corby. Corby. (laughs) You ate all the chalk. Duh. That's why I'm farting out dust, stupid. You urinated on a student's cheerleading pom-poms, claiming you were preggers, and you couldn't couldn't hold it no more. I couldn't. My giant's all pressured and shit. Hey, watch your language, miss. All right. As extremely bad as this all is, you lied and told people you were pregnant, which is a serious thing, especially at a Catholic school. I ain't lying. I am preggers. See? She stares her stomach. The baby's in there and stealing all my food and being a a bald, sneaky slut. Tanya Wilson, I'm warning you. Watch that mouth of yours. You watch that mouth of yours. I got nunchucks in my bra. Don't speak about your bra or vaginal area or anything else inappropriate like that again. 
Why? Does it make your dink pink? What? What is that even uh, enough? Now, because you just finished 10 days suspension and because of everything you did today. You're welcome. The secretary has called your mother and she has been told of your behavior today. I've been trying to get a hold of your parents for months. Finally, your mother is here and will hear everything. Good. She'll be proud of me and I'll get McDonald's as a prize. 20 nuggets because this bastard will eat half. She's pointing at the baby. Oh, no, I highly doubt your mother will reward you, Tanya. But you keep thinking that. Uh, there's a buzz on the phone. Sir, Mrs. Wilson is here now. Should I send her in? Yes, please do. Time to face the music, Tanya. I hope it's Kesha. Hello, Mrs. Wilson. Thank you so much for coming. Mrs. Wilson enters. Shut up. I had to leave my ass wax appointment to come here. I'm sorry to interrupt that, but we need to discuss your daughter's behavior and... I know, stupid. So what's she do? Nothing. Shut up. Shut up. How about you both shut up, please? Mm. Now, Mrs. Wilson, Tanya is hitting and spitting and using vulgar language and telling students she's pregnant when she isn't. No, she is pregnant. Fool. She is? Yeah. I made her get pregs because our family needs a butler. I beg your pardon? You don't look like you're begging. Get on your knees, dummy. That is enough. I want you both out of my office right now. And Tanya, you are suspended again. Good. Mmm, Chuck. Let's go get Donald's, Tanya. See, I told you. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, stupid. They leave. Principal puts his head on the desk, and he starts muttering to himself in frustration. The secretary enters. Sir, I have the... Shut up, stupid! The secretary of shock begins to cry and run out. Oh, Oh, wait, Nancy, I didn't mean to... He sits back down. Actually, that felt pretty good. The end. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Hey, I'm AJ Schrader, and I believe everyone has a story worth telling, and also that I should potentially profit off of their stories. That's why I started the podcast, I Wrote You a Pilot, where each episode I talk to a not-yet-famous person about their television interest, and then make them read a television pilot I hastily wrote for them with the hopes of catching the eyes of the president of television. It's available on most major podcast platforms, or you can find out more directly at iwroteyouapilot.podbean.com. Lightning, there's thunder. Where there's trouble, there's Donder. Meet Donder. I'm Donder. A.K.A. Jeff. Maybe we can work together someday. That would be a dream come true. Jeff wants to be a superhero. You got a pen? Uh, uh, yeah, in my fanny pack. But he's not very super. Help! 
he has one chance to prove himself. My name is Candace. I'm with Nondescript. That's the biggest super agency in the city. But will that be enough? What if I'm not very good at picking teammates? Here's the plan. I punch him. Then I punch him. I'll pull off his penis and punch him in the balls with it. When we put so much into becoming someone we never become, we forget one important thing. I've been chasing one thing for so long, I, I don't even know who I am without it. We never stop becoming. Listen to Tights on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Hey, Chelsea. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, So tell me about the sketch. Tell me about Tanya. So you could probably tell from my giggling that I did not read it in full in advance before we did it because I thought it would be fun to (laughs) to, to see some of it as we went um I probably wrote that in I had just started at Humber College a comedy writing program in Toronto and I was one of the only girls in the class and I kept getting uh written and cast as like the wife or the girlfriend with no jokes so I I remember writing a whole bunch of sketches like that where I was a huge character to try to make up for like the other stuff so <laughs> I wanted to play this kind of badass teen <laughs> and like it was full of fart jokes I was calling people sluts like I was going I was throwing everything against the wall <laughs> to try to get my time <laughs> get noticed <laughs> um what like what year would this have been written do you think there 2007 oh, oh ooh, nice oh I was yeah I was young <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I've talked to other people about uh a few other people that have gone through the Humber program and yeah. I've always joked that I'm at least quasi jealous that there was a comedy writing program yeah. in a, for a college because that's not a very common thing here I'm not saying that that's a common thing up there in Toronto it's not like everyone in Canada has a comedy writing degree, but like. So that's I, cool. It, it had two versions of the course. So there was one, like a postgraduate. So you would have had to have gone to like a university first. Mm-hmm. And then the class is really small, like 10 people. And then there's one where you go right out of high school and there's, and there's like 40 people. So I was in the tiny one and the 10 people one. So it was like really intense and like, they brought like Billy Crystal to come and talk to us and Eugene, Le- yeah, Eugene Levy and like every connection our teacher had, he was Lauren Michaels's best friend. So like, and we were one of the first programs of that small class. They were like grooming us for like something big. And some of them went off to do like, like Nathan Fielder was one of the people in my class and he did a, that Nathan for you show. Oh. So yeah, oh. so it, it was really uh, intense. A lot of people quit. A lot of the women quit. So yeah, so I was holding on and I was probably too, maybe too young to be there, but I was like, I wasn't going to give up and I wasn't going to be trampled. So I, I was writing Tanya. <laughs> how, so how did this sketch go like in the, the room as you read it? I think people loved it because I was like doing a funny voice and I also was like kind of trying to play to the boys a bit like with like farts. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So that they would laugh and want uh, 
to be wanted to be in the show. And I wrote a part for the two other girls in the show or in the class that were there at the time before they left. Um, so I was like trying to like check all the boxes before I pitched something so that I would get people on my side. And I think it, it did get in the show and it went really well. And I was a little ham and it, <laughs> yeah. That sometimes helps being a little ham and just like going for it and like. Yeah, ham it up. I had a little uh, preg- pregnant belly. I had some <laughs> props. I had all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and it went, and you said it went well, like in the show, like. Yeah. And they, and though I was so committed to it and uh, made it like very silly. So there was, there was no, I made it so that there was no way that it would get cut or that the boys could be like, oh, like you know, we don't need that in the show, like put one of our character pieces in. So it was like a sure thing. So I, I, yeah, I, and I kind of like had, it was like a strategy and then I wrote more stuff like that. And I remember that one got picked and I, I was happy. <laughs> so it wasn't like a situation where like every student got something in like, or. So at the beginning it was, but then for the final show, it was like if it wasn't good it was enough, a, a, like a true best of like was industry people were invited um, so it was like if it wasn't um good enough and you might have been light in the show even though it's a school and you paid to be there yeah it was if you weren't strong and then it could have been like maybe sketch wasn't your strongest thing so then well some of the stand-up didn't get a lot of sketches in because it just wasn't their style and then they excelled in like the stand-up part of the of the show right so i did sketch i was a sketch and improv and then when i did the stand-up i couldn't play tanya <laughs> so i had to play myself and i found that harder i didn't like so you would have to do try everything okay okay um, i wasn't i was i wasn't aware of that part of it where you would have had to do stand-up as well or mm-hmm. okay. and and uh even if you said like, I'm, I'm not good at this. I don't want to try it. Uh, you had to, we, we learned clown and we learned how to write screenplays, uh, expect scripts. I remember one guy, he just, he just rewrote a Seinfeld episode and like hope that nobody would notice. Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody noticed. Okay. And the teacher was like, yeah, that, and, but he, they all had different <laughs> names. And it was like, it was very, it, yeah and it was another, <laughs> another guy who did an episode of Frasier but it was like current day Frasier I guess 2007 Frasier and the entire episode was just them being like hey remember the dog Eddie that was fun hey remember the radio show <laughs> and Roz that was fun and that was the whole thing <laughs> yeah so, so it was wasn't it wasn't necessarily as clever as those uh, modern day Seinfeld like no <laughs> uh twitter accounts that showed up a couple years ago yeah but anyway it was very cool program made me tough and like not give up and yeah you intimated a couple times about like the other women quitting or stuff was it still that much of like the boys club mentality i think it was it was just that there weren't a lot of women in the class so it wasn't necessarily that the guys were not supportive or because they were most of them were um but it was just like the majority of them were men that even applied so of course the the show would be just mostly guys and a lot yeah. of most of our teachers were guys so uh a lot of them 
kind of just would pitch things and if it didn't get a good response or didn't get in right away they just didn't have the they were more like writers than comedians I would say okay. and, it, and it just didn't it wasn't enough for them to, to want to keep trying so hmm. yeah so by the end it was there was only a couple of us um but our teacher was really good he made it so we were in it a lot it wasn't like I appeared once like he was really good at like making the women in a ton of stuff but it did it just you feel like you're the minority in the group because you kind of are right yeah yeah yeah, that that sense of um I mean I mean you say it, like you feel like the minority because you are like I I've very rarely been in that situation as a, as a white male like <laughs> but when I am in those very rare moments you definitely feel it like and you make assumptions like I kind of assumed they wouldn't like me or I assumed nobody would want to be my friend and like those weren't correct but it kind of like you get in your head and then you kind of you can kind of turtle and and uh become shyer or or less brave to pitch stuff um and but I that maybe was a sh- I had that for a, a short period of time and then it went away and I was like I'm gonna full Tanya yeah. through the crowd <laughs> okay and you mentioned that you had done some improv or you know you were at Humber basically basically for sketching improv yeah was the idea of Tanya like did that come through an improv uh, oh, perspective yeah. or? I think like I was getting, because I'm pretty short, I was getting cast as kids a lot. Okay. <laughs> By like the classmates or in improv, people kept being like playing my mom or dad. And so I started making myself like a funny kind of kid. And then, uh, yeah. So then it inspired me to write like, a kid who just gives zero shits and bosses the principal around and yeah <laughs> yeah okay so uh before we get to where we are let's go back to the beginning what were you into growing up what what made you laugh uh i well first of all i'm a twin i have a twin brother oh so um just like being a twin and it was just us no other siblings like you're always fighting for attention <laughs> so i I wanted to be like the good twin, the better twin, the the funnier twin. So that kind of made me like a little ham again around the house, constantly making movies, trying to get people's attention, singing, dancing, all this stuff. So then I started watching SNL like really, really early. Uh, I used to, <laughs> I loved uh, Jan Hooks a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I obviously loved Gilda Radner. And I would purposely, this is ridiculous, but I was like seven and I would pretend to pee my bed so that I could go down and stay up late and watch SNL. <laughs> so I would be like, help, I, I peed my bed, but I would just like pour water on the bed. And my pajamas were dry <laughs> because I knew my parents were watching Saturday Night Live. <laughs> So my mom would have, would go up to clean the sheets and I would get to watch like half an hour. Um, <laughs> it's a strategy. There, there are moments where I wish I did release the video of this because I am like <laughs> completely. I know. Uh, That's how bad I wanted to watch it. There's so much about that strategy that I want to talk I about. <laughs> like, and I, I think they knew eventually, like, 
Mm, she's fully pretending. <laughs> this um, isn't an issue because her pajamas are dry. <laughs> so, so you would pour water on your bed to make a parent clean it. Yes, to give to buy me some time. <laughs> to buy like <laughs> that's fantastic uh i guess i guess i didn't have to worry about that because by the time i was watching snl like i had a tv in my room and i just had to like yeah. keep it quiet like yeah i but, well but i eventually did that but in those early days i wanted to get down there <laughs> i mean i had the the issue of later like of being too tired during church the next morning oh. like oh. and and getting and grief it. for that but like mm-hmm. oh oh they knew why i was too tired like oh. <laughs> but i i still got grief for like all right like i think i fell asleep during the prayer section a couple of times and oh like, i love that you know I, that. I would get elbowed and everything but uh <laughs> so i ask everybody and since since you brought it up so quickly uh who's your favorite snl cast member probably ever uh i love sherry o'terry i think she just is just all her characters are so so funny and even when she was a straight man role like she would appear and just get a ton and ton of laughs she's also like short like me and yeah I I know she hasn't had much of a career after compared to some others but I don't understand it I think because she I think she got fired for I think she swore on air there was some stuff I I, Um, like because of of those three of that time of sherry uh-huh. terry on a guest tire and molly shannon yeah sherry is my favorite yes absolutely um i appreciate anna and molly mm-hmm. but looking back i don't understand how sherry terry i know she's a guarantee didn't have a sitcom immediately or chris Catan got corky romano i know where, where's Sherry O'Terry's Corky Romano? Yeah, and like, she had so many characters. It was like, I, I also just like felt the fight in her kind of like, you know, Molly Shannon's getting a movie, everyone's getting a movie. And she just, for whatever reason, I guess there, I, I read the SNL book and there was, I think some bad blood. She made a couple mistakes like on air saying the F word or something. Uh, and then they, she was accused of being drunk on The View. <laughs> talking oh. So there was at that time that was enough, I guess, to just be like, no, you're done. Um, but I thought she was like my first, the first person I saw, and Carol Burnett. My mom loved Carol Burnett, so she had all the like compilation VHSs, mm. and so I would watch those. And uh, yeah, it was just somebody who was like, you know, some I guess apparently unconventionally attractive, like being getting her own show and being hilarious and singing I sing as well so I would say growing up it was all Carol Burnett VHS it's it's (laughs) funny because like you you bring that up reminds me that my I haven't really revisited the Carol Burnett show as much as I should have um but like in my head I have this memory of watching Carol Burnett in the waiting room of a dentist's office oh yeah I'm sure and (laughs) <laughs> that might be the roadblock in my head like <laughs> yeah reminding me of of because I've had I had some really awful dental experiences as a child so I'm like oh, no so maybe I just need to like exercise that demon uh and they laugh through it that's another thing uh, oh they're like I don't want to say it's zero professionalism oh, but it's true it's, it's, it's 
pretty close. <laughs> yeah. And it's so clearly they're having so much fun. And that's, that was another part. Like to this day, I sometimes, uh, if I watch like a sitcom like Parks and Rec or Dirty Rock and watch it back, like I will watch the bloopers first hmm. before I watch the season. I don't know what it is. It's, or if I'm feeling like, oh, comedy is hard, like it's such a hustle. I will watch like the bloopers of like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia because I'm like, look, they're having so much fun. Right. It you absolutely want me. comedy to be fun. You yeah. like, you don't want it to be the whole serious, like. And like people that you have so much fun with. And that's what people always tell me when they watch me that like, they know I'm about to laugh if I'm not laughing already. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can't, I can't hide it. <laughs> So, okay, so Carol Burnett, Sherry mm-hmm. O'Terry on mm-hmm. SNL, pretending to pee the like that's still <laughs> so funny to me. Like I know, I know. that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so where do we bridge the gap from getting from comedy fan to you enrolling in the comedy program at Humber? Yes. So I wanted to be like an actor of some kind, and we I grew up in Ottawa, and then we moved to. Toronto my family did and um I started doing like kid acting like commercials and like I was on like little bit parts here and there um and then in high school I kind of stopped but I did all the musical theater in school and all that uh do you have a favorite role from your like high school uh they were all super serious like I was trying to like do a little funny part in like Fiddler on the Roof and the director was like this is not a funny musical <laughs> you can't be winking at the audience <laughs> <Tell> okay <laughs> so another thing that you're you're bringing up to me like yeah um I forget, I was watching I was watching something and the idea of, of Topol who who plays Tevia yeah, yeah. in the movie came up to me so I started looking it up looking up for some reason i was like okay let's go down this wikipedia rabbit hole (laughs) yeah and apparently before the movie the play is way more fun yes and then the movie changed the tone of it yes and then and but there were certain jokes that tevye had and uh and the kids but the script that we did was like from the movie that's whatever rights the teacher got right like it like uh, yeah i was reading the thing it was like the the stage production was a way more joyful fun you know upbeat thing and then the movie because it is such a serious subject matter of you know these people being displaced from their homes like they you know took the tone more serious and i was like oh that's very interesting because i don't know if i could watch that bummer of a play it's live yeah, it's very, uh, the music's beautiful, but like to make a bunch of like 15 and 16 year olds do it, <laughs> it was, and I played the the like most dramatic daughter. So, uh, and then like, I tried to like, you know, mug for the audience a little bit. And like my teacher yeah. was like, you can't, you just married a Nazi. And I was like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> but isn't there any <laughs> Uh, but then I went to university uh, and I started and I did theater there and I started trying to do like Shakespeare and everybody would laugh like the audience. And I was like, what? I'm trying to be like Othello's wife. Like, why is everyone laughing? I don't understand. And I was like trying to be dramatic. And and I know I think it was like maybe they knew me and they knew I was like 
funny or they there was something that I did that I was getting I was getting laughed in Othello and I was like this is troublesome but or maybe good <laughs> so then my teacher told me my teacher who used to date Charlize Theron I'll just put that out there <laughs> he was like Chelsea um I think you should start doing comedy and I was like well is it because people are laughing at me like in these Shakespeare roles and he was like precisely (laughs) (laughs) and so he yeah he was like you need to start looking for how to like channel your this natural ability that even when you're not trying to be funny people are laughing and you know stop going for Shakespeare (laughs) stuff yeah so then I and then I got into I auditioned and wrote monologues and I found Humber and I got in and yeah and it's but it was because I tried to shift to like be a like a theater actress and people were like mm, no <laughs> <laughs> I do love that idea of when like people that are naturally like drawn to comedy try drama and it yeah. just it's clearly you're you should be making people laugh instead of like even if there's just like one moment like apparently I did something to Othello that was like quirky or silly and then the audience erupted in laughter and I was like this is not good for Othello's next scene <laughs> yeah oh like I imagine doing like and Othello is the worst thing because I like I don't have <laughs> yeah. much um I, I can't like break out like a piece of like dialogue that like I, to illustrate my point but like yeah I don't even remember yeah like one simple like gesture yeah like probably could completely switch your like I just the thing I'm, I'm picturing is like you patting Othello on the head I did like, something like I, I I shrugged my shoulders and like it wasn't like a ooh, collar, yeah. collar pull, but it was like apparently something like close to that. But even though I was trying to be serious <laughs> <laughs> and it happened like two nights in a row in, in the same like in the same spots. So I was like, mm, OK, but then I left the stage being like, I got laughs. And Othello was like, that's not good. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Othello. Midsummer no. Dream, get the laughs. And, yeah, yeah. Put it in um, there. <laughs> so, all right, uh, let's talk about the process of getting Humber because you mentioned that you did the more graduate program. Yes. So, because I was trying to do theater and like film stuff at, at when I went to university first. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I, I got to Humber, I learned like sketch, improv, um, stand up if people wanted to go that route. And then I went right after that, I went right to Second City. So I got, I started taking classes there. And like, I was like, this is what I want to do. And I had always gone to see um, the Second City main stage show, like since I was like 11. Mm-hmm. I was probably yeah. way too young to be going, but I, my parents, because they love John Candy and they loved, um, you know, Eugene Levy, Dan Aykroyd from the TV show. So they wanted to go see it when we moved to Toronto and then so they would take us. So that was another thing. I was like, I want to be on that stage one day. Um, so I have to learn how to do all this stuff and learn how to write. So I went right to Second City classes after Humber. Um, so Second City, uh, in like I, I, I've not been to Second City in Toronto mm-hmm. because the last time I was in Toronto, I was there for the festival and that's all I wanted to see. Yeah. Um, but I've I've gone to like if I've ever in the Midwest or if I have the, ever, the opportunity to go to Chicago, I will. Mm-hmm. 
basically just to see the Second City show, yeah. whether it's the main stage or the ETC there in Chicago. Um, and like, it blew my mind the first time I did it because it didn't occur to me that it was that professional mm-hmm. of an experience. Like, you know, seeing sketch comedy in Philly or everywhere else, like, there's a looseness to it yeah where the second city is as close to theater oh yes as we're gonna get which i i it didn't occur to me like and it's not everyone's style but it depends on like nowadays there's kind of that looseness mixed in like they kind of they the cast is very some of them are super polished professional like actors who are funny and then some of them are like sillier comedic types and they they put improv in the shows and it's it's more it's yeah it feels less like theater I would say now but it's very it's like came before you know Groundlings before UBC before all of those and a lot of the early SNL people a lot of them even still all came from Second City so it was because they're so professional and like they can write anything they're yeah they can they support they can sing they can do it all so it's like that that was the other thing too that like i i was surprised about how much music was involved like but um you know second city the history goes back to the 50s and the cosplayers in in chicago Mm -hmm. so there is that like history and gravitas and i don't know i don't remember exactly when the toronto branch opened probably in the early 70s Mm -hmm. maybe late 60s because i think Dan Aykroyd was plucked from there like mm-hmm. like half that early team was Toronto yeah as much yeah. as Chicago was like yeah. of SL I mean um so going through the courses do you do you do the full stretch of like, Second City I like, skipped some levels just because I already had done Humber so I didn't need to learn like what is improv or anything like that um, so you do like the levels for fun kind of at first, but your teachers are like alumni often. So they're mm-hmm. like, super knowledgeable. Um, and at the beginning you get like, like Francine, who's a real estate agent who wants to have more confidence, like in your class. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then as you narrow down to having an audition for the levels, you get people that are like wanting to be either full-time comedians or they want to be actors or they really they want to learn to write so it's like it it's it's more competitive um and they you know the higher people come and watch the final show see if there's something in you that you know might lead to you getting an audition for the higher up uh main stages so it's kind of like when you take the classes that's what every a lot of people are like i'm getting into main stage someday but it's like mm, probably not there's six six spots um, so I'm there right now. I, it took me a long time, but I'm climbing up and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, so I understudy the main shows and I've been doing it for since like 2019. So even that is a dream come true. Like if I, if I never got further, I would still be like, wow, I did it. This was my, my peeing my bed, childhood dream, <laughs> <laughs> fake pee bed. Um, I'm, I'm opening a show. I'm there. Um, my family got to see me this is like a huge thing but I still 
I still want to climb to the top if I can. Yeah. You still want to do it every night. I still, but I want to be chosen for the main cast one day. But there's like you know six spots for women, and it's it's tough. It's tough. It like, and to do a main stage show for Second City, mm-hmm. for the most part, you're developing. Oh yeah. Your own show, like your own point of view, like your own. And then when you write those things, like you're giving them up forever. Like they're right they're, They become theirs because the, the, yeah. the couple of times I've seen second city um, or the touring company, because the touring company's come to Philadelphia a couple of times. Yes. They've done like the best of, the, they call them archive scenes. Like it could be like a Steve Carell sketch. And yeah. I'm that much of a nerd. I was like, that's Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. these two, these two, Dum dums are doing yeah. it now, like <laughs> exactly. or Tina Fey, yeah, or something, yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, what was I, I think it was a, fe- a Tina and Rachel thing that they did, and the entire time I'm like, this isn't Tina and Rachel, yeah. And and sometimes they tell you to try to like be them exactly, and then they sometimes they say you can't, so just do it your own way, but it's. And then you get to at times write your own stuff too. So it's a kind of a weird hybrid. But yeah. It's yeah, it, it, yeah, it felt like the touring company relied more on the quote unquote greatest hits. Yeah. Like, which, yeah, great. And they just have less time. So they're kind of just like the, they're doing the, the best of and like they're doing punchy improv and they're um, rather than the main show where they have a long time to create it and um yeah so but I was like I'll take anything like put me in I did I did the kids shows I was yeah but and also to get noticed even get to that point you have to hustle like I was doing shows every night improv shows all over the city doing sketch every night like just I guess it's kind of similar to stand-up like you have to be around enough I was staying out late like having a drink with people that like I don't even really want to <laughs> yeah like yeah. so let's let's talk about the the outside of second city stuff because yeah. so um when I asked uh some friends who I should talk to mm-hmm. they mentioned you because of Skechersons, Little Rascals yeah. and then Terrabang um oh, yeah. like that's what they listed they listed as uh stuff so what yeah. comes first in your independent time working to further your comedy stuff so after I um did the second city classes um like full disclosure and I'm sure there's some people that can relate out there I I had a I was married to like a piece of shit oh no (laughs) and he made me quit everything so he was just like you're not gonna make it like you're this is stupid and so I, I was like uh, hating my life in a little cubicle, like just working at some shitty thing, nothing against cubicle workers, but it's not for everybody. <laughs> so I was just like, I gotta get out of here. And so the minute I was free of him, I went right back to comedy. Like literally that was like the first thing I did because I missed it so much. Like um, how much time? Probably like two, it's almost three years. Oh, and okay. I would already worked so hard and like to take that break, like I came back to the community and there were so many people I didn't know and people that started with me were, had already moved way up. Yeah. So it was like three years is so long to have to restart. But I, I, the people I did know, I had some key friends that remembered me. Um, 
and like uh i'm trying to think of some people like josh murray i don't know if you just know josh mm. murray or um uh selena vile and nikki nasrallah there's a lot of people that helped me kind of like get back into the community and so i and then i got into a sketch troupe with some of those people called in Bang. okay <laughs> and um one of the two of the people in our troupe had like some higher up connections so they could get us a bunch of shows so and I could write again and uh it was kind of like oh who's that like about me like like she seems polished but she also seems brand new and it's like well I'm not fully brand new I'm just like renew it's this interesting thing because I don't know if I know anyone that necessarily like stopped doing stuff Mm because of getting into and having a bad marriage situation like that but like when you don't see I'll use my oh this is a bad example but I'll use myself but like I I started doing comedy I was in a sketch troupe the sketch troupe broke up and I was a writer on one of our fringe festival shows here in the city it wasn't a great experience so I kind of got burnt out and I disappeared I just didn't do anything for a while and after you know nine months to a year I started going to shows again and people were like where have you been exactly get off your butt start writing again let's go like I had that encouragement and you know almost forceful encouragement to like get back involved come on like it's not too late it's yeah so it could be like yeah you have one like let down and then you you pull yourself away or it could be you know there's pressure from like a parent saying like you know comedy or artist is not a real job or 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 it could be a partner so there's so many I've I've known a few people who either disappeared and didn't return or they disappeared and then returned and had a like a reason like that so um when I yeah I all that to say is that it's so helpful when you come back and there are people that are like absolutely come back like help us or and I'll like, help you like I know that yeah together. I know let's start doing people. things together again and yeah so I was like I know the new people and I know you let me help bring you in um so that happened pretty fast and then I was invited to do tons of stuff and I did sketch fest and then I met uh well one of somebody in my troop in Terrabang he moved to LA <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh then I met my little rascal and uh we were both kind of like coming out of like bad relationships and we both were looking to do comedy and uh we both felt like we'd never performed like with a, another female and we're both really short so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah somebody fixed us up on like a friend date and we agreed to do comedy together before we knew each other was funny and I was like uh-oh this could go bad <laughs> But then I, her name's Susanna. And then I, when I saw her, we started writing together. I was like, oh, phew, she's really funny. This, this, work, this might work out, yeah. yeah. So t- t- tell me about Little Rascals because I don't think I've seen, I, I definitely don't think I saw you when I went up to Toronto for 2020. I think because she had a baby. So she was, we, oh, we okay. yeah. So we couldn't, uh, we didn't do it that year. Um, so, so I might have seen like a video piece here or there or something, but never like a full little rascal. So tell me about little rascals. So, um, so yeah, there were a female duo. We made, we came up with our name very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so 
was like, well, we're short, we're kind of rascals, but we're gals. We'll just do it. And then we, we got a couple shows uh, booked and because there weren't a lot of female, there were a couple female troops, but not many uh, at the time. Um, and then we did, we did a show and we did really well. And so we were writing like part silly stuff with a lot of wigs. Uh, I had like I had like five different mushroom cut wigs that were featured <laughs> so <laughs> we, we were playing moms we're playing kids we're playing uh you know women that you know and hate or women that you know and love uh, we tried to do like relatable stuff but uh with like a bit of feminist POV but like real light because we didn't want people to like run away <laughs> We just yeah, sprink- you don't want it to feel like school exactly so we just like sprinkle it in a little bit here and there um and then we I realized that she could sing and I could sing so then we started writing parody songs and that's like really how we got noticed um we would do a song at every show so like to we do one to like something from Les Mis we did we did I dreamed a dream and it was about how we don't like Chuck Lorre from Big Bang Theory. Like, who would think to do that? The guy who created Two Broke Girls, Mom, and Big Bang Theory. I think we always not Two Broke Girls. Oh no, not Two Broke. Don't girls. blame him for that. No, um, you can blame someone um, else for that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it might have been in the song anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so we started, yes, yeah, singing, and that that would really got us noticed. Um, we did like something from yeah Les Mis or Let It Go from Frozen or Rent and it would be about kind of like a obviously it would sound similar to the lyrics but it would be about something silly but we sang well so people liked it and we would end every show with like a big song so it was yeah and then we started getting booked a ton and then yeah and I, and I want to state for the record that I have nothing necessary against two broke girls. Neither, I haven't watched yeah. the entire series <laughs> or anything. My major opinion of two broke girls is why are they shouting the entire time? Because yes, yes. it's one of those things I, I've realized, you know, as I'm in my thirties, like half the sitcoms, they're just yelling. I know. yelling, it, Or it feels like they're yelling. And I just keep making the joke. I'm like, they have microphones everywhere. I know. It's not a full theater, even in theater, there's microphones. So like, you don't have to like shout and like, that, that was my whole thing is like, why is Kat Dennings yelling at I me? Know, I, know. <laughs> I think that's what it was like. Our first thing we bonded on, like someone mentioned Bang Bang Theory. And I was like, I don't like that show. And she was like, me either. And so somehow that got put in and it was just the, some of the roles you wrote for women or oh, two and a half men. That was another one. Um, yeah that's the other Chuck Lorre yeah yeah yeah. it was like the woman was just kind of like there and annoying annoying except for mom is a bit better but it was at the time it was it seemed to be like all that was on tv so I don't know it was just like a silly thing we agreed upon and then uh it became a song but it was we really got along and agreed on everything which which is rare and it's actually funny to me because I think that the women on Big Bang Theory are better than men on Big Bang Theory, but whatever. Yeah, like, I, I do too. And they added more over time. Which yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so then, okay, so Little Rascals. And I'm also, uh, you were a member of the Skechersons? Yeah, so that was, um, so actually part of the reason why I auditioned for Skechersons was because 
like Susanna was becoming a grown up and having a baby. <laughs> so you need, yeah. So I wanted to um, just like keep the writing muscle going. And I, I have been writing like just for duos, like just for the two of us for so long that I wanted to write for groups and for men and like learn how to just like get that muscle back. So if I were to ever move up in Second City or somewhere else, I would have that kind of prepared, but also just for like social because I, it's a lot of wonderful, great people in that troupe. And I, I just thought like, how fun would Sundays be to do this? And um, so, yeah, so I, I knew a lot of the people already and I auditioned and got into the final show and uh, did really well. And then they, yeah, they, I got picked in 2019. So okay. that, so I was only there like a year before, before the world yeah. came to an end. Yeah. But it, it was such a, there's so many people that have come out of that troupe over the years that are, have just gone off to amazing careers. So it, it was just like a great place to, to, it's such a hustle. And it's like, it's like an SNL in a day. You're making a brand new show in a day, spending all the whole day rehearsing it and putting it on that night. And yeah, I had just talked to Emily Richardson. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I was asking about the the Skechersons process, and mm-hmm. I was fully aghast that oh. where SNL starts on Monday exactly. to get to Saturday, Skechersons starts basically on Thursday. Yeah, it's wild. And you only really rehearse on Sunday. And I was just like, yeah. oh my gosh. Like, you memorize it so fast. And yes, she was the head writer part of the time I was there. She was, she's just the best. But yeah, it was, it, it was a wild experience. <laughs> so you had mentioned um, a little bit in there about like having writing for duos, like mm-hmm. for you and Susanna for so long that you needed to, you Remember. felt the need to like, oh, let's, let's write dude characters and groups and more than two people. Yes. Um, and that's something I never really think about, like, was that a difficult process to like stretch that muscle again to it was a not write, bit. Not, like for you're writing with and for a specific person for so long mm-hmm. to open that up to like, oh, maybe this part, like, is this maybe this to everybody? Like, yeah. yeah. And, um, and also like I, some of the people in the troupe I knew, but some I didn't. So you don't necessarily know who will like deliver what you've written the way you have in mind. And um, so it, it was, everything I was writing was like eight pages. And they were like, this is way too long because I was writing like mini plays because I, <laughs> I wanted to like give lines to every character. And it was like a full like web series in like one little, <laughs> one little sketch. And I remember Emily being like, you know, this is funny, but you've got to like shorten it because we have like three minutes and I'd be like oh but like I wanted to give everyone a character arc and she's like there's no time <laughs> it's a sketch like you just have to yeah like it's it's speed um at, at not like you know the audience is, is gonna notice if they don't laugh they're not gonna notice if like uh waitress number two's character like doesn't have a, a any closure at the end right. of the scene so um I eventually figured out the the rhythm and also writing for a host it's like you want to write something that they're going to choose but you also want to like feature yourself so it's kind of a 
yeah, that's an interesting strategy too. Like you want them to pick yours, but you want to be in it just as much as them. <laughs> so yeah. Has that process of going through the Skechersons and and that idea of um, writing quickly for a show that you have to memorize basically in five hours that morning, has that changed your writing process as it is now? I think it definitely has because um, it's also like uh, changing jokes like hours before or like minutes before you go out, punching stuff up the like whole writer's room mentality kind of like of um, people adding, uh, I guess standups call it tags at the end of things. Like, it's like, you don't want to, I've learned to not take it personally. So if someone's like, oh, how, or how about the ending is the dog bites him or something. Um, and instead of me being like, oh, that's not what I wrote. Like, I, I, that's a criticism. It's like, no, no, they're just, it's just a group trying to punch it up and make it the best it, it, it could possibly be for the stage that night. It's not like telling me that I did something wrong or cutting out chunks I wrote for length is not, so it doesn't, I'm better at like not taking it personally. And also if you don't get a sketch in that you think is really great, it's not, you know, maybe the first couple of weeks I felt like it was a rejection, but it's, it's not, um, it's more just a learning process. And if I wasn't, if they didn't think I was funny, they wouldn't have picked me to be in the troop. Right. So it's more just learning. Like it's not personal. It's just balancing everything out with each other and matching stuff. And um, so, yeah, I learned that too. So if I ever get somewhere where I'm in a writer's room and I have to pitch something in a group, I think I learned that definitely from Skechersons. Yeah. I, I think um, I fully relate to that because like one of the first times I had to write for a mentor for like a director that I presented a sketch and he, like, as we read it afterwards, he was like, yeah, cut the first page and a half. You don't need it. And I was just like, what, 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 what do you mean? I, but, it's the intro but, like, to the, yeah. But at the same time now, like five years later, cut everything. Like yeah. I, I am full on, like, That's I have precious. no heart with telling new writers, like, you do not need half of this. Like we could go back through Tanya. Yeah. And, oh oh and yeah. There's there's a few notes I can give now. Like, oh yeah. In hindsight, for sure. There's a lot like, of re- a lot of repeat. Yeah. So. Like, <laughs> and the, but there's the also the part of me like reading Tanya. I was like, all right. So how do we actually see the dusty fart? Like I know what magic trick. Well, I know how the magic trick will be pulled, but like. Yeah. All because of it. it's someone like sitting under the desk with like um baby powder yeah let's do yep. that like um That's but so funny. <laughs> it all yeah, comes it, back it, to tanya <laughs> it's, it's it's so weird that like you know the running experiences that we have like help change a perspective and like i used to joke because when i did the when i did the comedy courses here in philly the sketch 101 teacher was is a very welcoming like hey everybody like he's he, you know that's his personality and then the 201's like yeah let's let's oh. cut let's rip if his, his rule was if you come into a thing with more than five pages yes we don't even read page six seven and eight like yes, that's so a, that's, you saying that you're writing eight pages oh my god for a show that you have to rehearse in three hours yeah to get on that night i'm like why are you doing that i know <laughs> like, and, and it would just it would happen and i by accident and i'd be like 
ah, what a perfect ending. And then I would look and it would be eight pages and I'd be like, oh my God. And I'd, I'd put like eight cast members because it's like, I wanted to appease everyone and like everyone had to have a funny line. You couldn't just, so I was trying to like be liked, but also wrap up every single character's like arc in like a, in like a short sketch about like dogs. It's like, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah, like, and the idea that you have more toys to play with yeah. in the sketch of sins versus like you worked with a duo for so long. Like, yep. yeah, let's play with all of these colors. Let's, yeah. you know, let's paint with the entire box of crayons. Like yeah, I, I just said paint with crayons. So but... I, I, and I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's, it's so fascinating. Like, well, and what, and then that if you watch SNL, there are times where I'm just going to throw a name that Andrew Dismukes just comes out here's yeah. your water and walk like walks away and then yeah. whoever's doing the spit take with the water that's the point like yeah unfortunately you needed those roles sometimes but even and even uh that reminds me on snl uh lately i have like leaned over uh to my boyfriend who's also a comedian he's a stand-up and, and said to him that sketch was funny too long and it's like if i, oh, I say that all, so if much i say it's too long it's too long because <laughs> i write the longest stuff ever so yeah I very much like game show parodies for the most part. Like those family feud show episodes that they do with all the celebrities where they have to introduce every celebrity. And when you watch it on YouTube and it says nine minutes long, I was like, Oh, that's entirely unnecessary. Yeah. I don't The The one I'll always point out is Noel Wells does a impression of Alison Hannigan from how I met your mother like 10 years ago. Yeah. And it still sticks out in my head. Like, Oh, that was entirely unnecessary because yes. it, it wasn't a good impression. No, no joke to it. And why? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's very much like a thing of like, oh, we need ten people. All right, you do this. Like, yeah, we need to give everybody a spot. Speaking of that, I have you noticed that? I don't know if you're still watching SNL, but I, they won't let that Aristotle guy do anything. I don't like it. I'm why? very confused by that because he had like. The first couple of weeks that he was on the show, he had a couple of characters yeah. that yeah. he's clearly brought from his, you know, previous time, like the the robot stand up and yes. that uh, I forget the, the name of the, the, the musician guy, the like, lounge singer guy. Yeah. yeah, but like let him bring the water. Not he hasn't been week. here in, in weeks. And a couple times he came up from the audience at the end when they were all saying goodbye, like making me like, where is that guy? Yeah. yeah uh, anyway. <laughs> we know his like why is Andrew Dismukes doing all this stuff like I know Let I, him bring I, the water. why am I hating on him so much like, I know <laughs> no. uh, but <laughs> yeah like well first off that cast is too big yes like and understand that they're rotating people like Cecily was on Broadway for yeah. or off Broadway for which another, another thing you know you have a month off because of the Olympics yeah. schedule the show during that and have Cecily like put okay I saw um Anna Gasteyer and Rachel Drach being interviewed and <clears throat> they were asking them like what do you think about the cast members like missing like a month of shows and just reappearing and they kind of like passive aggressively said well um if we were able to do that too we probably also would have stayed on the show for 10 years yeah <laughs> but but then uh, a couple of years ago Taryn Killam had to leave the show because yeah. they wouldn't let him edit his movie or something yeah. like yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, 
I don't know I, why that popped I, in I, my head. I still love SNL, so I mean, I'm just Me going to gripe a little bit. But I still commit and watch every episode, good or bad. I've seen every every single one. So I remember I went on a tour. I went to New York City when I was like 20 or something, and um, the uh, the guy who was giving the tour was showing us all these like amazing set pieces that uh, were for a sketch the next day, but they had already been cut. So they had all these carpenters build and paint this whole thing. And then um, some guy on the tour was like, SNL sucks these days. And the guy was like, no, it doesn't. You don't understand. Lord Michaels puts up the best possible thing. How dare you? How dare you? And he was just like a guy doing the tour and he lost it. And he was saying like, you know how hard it is to build these pieces and do all this stuff when we don't know what's going to happen the next day. How dare you, sir? And it was like, it was so uncomfortable. But he was trying to say like, when we put the show out, we don't think it's meh. Like they think it's the best it could possibly be. So like all the hate it gets, it's like, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes and all that. I, I don't think there's ever been an episode where I'm like, oh, there isn't anything yeah. redeemable here. Like, or anything that was like, there's always something good. There's always moments, yeah. Like, there might be a dumb sketch at twelve thirty, but like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, like, there, there's no show or anything in comedy history that has a track record of even, even like the bad, the quote unquote bad years of like nineteen eighty. That that first mm-hmm. season after the original cast leaves. Yeah. If you bet, go back and watch it. There's some solid stuff there like well, look at all those actors now like robert downey jr and joan cusack and they're all somewhere like like yeah there's there's nothing in, in american culture that has given so many people their break oh, and like absolutely so whatever like yeah. i don't know what the suggested succession plan for when lauren goes away but yeah. everyone's like it's gonna be keenan that would be cool but i feel like he wants to act I, I, my actual theory was it was going to be Seth. Oh. That the only reason Seth Myers has that st- that show, mm. the, the late night show, is to just hold him until kill time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like he'd be good at that. It, I mean, he was the head writer for whatever how many years. Like, yeah. give it if Joe wants to do it. If to, yeah, I, I don't think Che wants to do it, but if yeah. Che wants to do it, like, I, yeah, so Seth would be great. I like that. That was always my theory. Um, we'll see if I'm right in 10, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we're living in, it's, I'm going to say post because we're, people are just going to act like nothing's happening very soon. Very soon, yes. Um, how has the pandemic changed your comedy experience? So, um, first of all, there's all the Zoom shows. I, I did a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And oh man, doing improv on Zoom is not fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine. No. It's you just, there's a lag. You're talking over each other. It's, you know, uh, I don't know if people are watching, but it did like keep the muscle going. Having to, if I did nothing for two years, I think I would be feeling really rusty. And I know I've heard a lot of people say that that didn't do Zoom shows. They feel like, too rusty to jump back in so I'm glad I did them um and I also uh I always wanted to take groundlings so I took classes during the break I did I took one too you did yeah what, what did you think I 
it was very helpful. Yeah. To you know how I talked about like you know in when I had that one mentor like in, for that one show say you need to cut like an, a page in half. Yeah. The dude I had it was I forget what it was called, but the idea of it was like it was immediately after the pandemic started. It was like May of 2020, and the idea was like, hey, let's go back to like the basics, almost like a, almost like a radio show. Yeah. And like he was very much like you need to tell everyone immediately where they are. Yeah. Who you are, like, so like, start we the would scene in the middle. We yeah. we would read the thing, and he was like, if you don't tell people that you're in a record store, in the first thing, how are people going to know where you like what's going on? I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't have a set behind me. I don't have, probably, I don't have the costumes or whatever. Like, or they say there's no time. There's no time. Like our, our scenes are short. You've got to get it out there. But yeah, like it was. It was a really good experience of rethinking certain ways of doing stuff. Like, yeah. so did you do? Well, I did like the core track that you have to like audition for, and um, it. I got I did really well, and I and I got it was clear eventually that I was already like a performer, um, and, but I was so fascinated because it's so different. So different. Oh, than anything I've ever learned. It's like they don't want to hear your voice, like, like your physical speaking voice or your, um, your point of view. They want you to be a character all the that, time. So that was the thing I was thinking. It was like, Tanya. Yeah. Is a oh, groundling they, sketch. They love Tanya. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's so true. Cause that was something that I, I really know. I, cause I went out to LA to visit for a friend's wedding a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, and I made the point of going to a groundling show yeah. and that was my big thing. I was like, Oh, these are character like this is such a character driven thing. Yes. And then I think about the people that came through SNL and Mad TV that oh, came yeah. from Groundlings. They're all Will Ferrell, Christian is Wiggs, a yeah. pile of wigs. Yes, always. That, you know, like it's all it is. Well, and not all it is, but like that's the yeah, that's the basis of it. It's like they don't want to see you in there at all, and they would make you restart. And also, like different places, like even second city or or wherever you train like there's time in the scene to like start out uh being like like uh subtle like oh um this coffee place is nice but at groundlings they want you to start like in the middle this coffee place is on fire dad like they want you to jump to like you're starting at a 10 and so that's not i i had to really like try to learn how to do that and and I've tried to use some of the training back now that I'm doing live shows and it's people are like, you're out of control, but like in a, in a, <laughs> but in a fun way, like I, I stand out as like, uh, I'm extra silly and people seem to like it. You just gotta sometimes be grounded or else it gets a little insane. Um, but yeah, I, it was just like something new to try. And because I love Melissa McCarthy, she's my favorite, I think of all time. So uh I also wanted to like see how she started and it's so she's one of the uh, I don't remember if she's done if she's hosted five times yet or anything but like she has, yeah when she's on SNL you, can't you tell. know she, you know she's coming with stuff oh yeah like she's like I get to play so oh. I'm going to play like yeah she's just oh my gosh she's like it feels like so she's fun. carrying her own like yeah. like suitcase of wigs yeah exactly and 
you know, cat sweatshirts or whatever. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. The, my favorite one I think she ever did was like it was a digital short where she was the basketball coach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she's whipping balls at the. Oh my god. And also Sean, obviously Sean Spicer and all that. But well, I I just watched her do um her bit as Michael Chase stepmom. Oh. And it's such a funny, endearing character. Like she's so likable. Like, and Aidy Bryant has a has a similar like ability and like the like an innocence. Uh, and uh, that's like what I, I my favorite type of person to see on stage is like a there's like that's, a likable innocence about them. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Like the innocence. Because I okay, you haven't listened to everything, but like. One of the first episodes when I like I asked people their the SNL the favorite SNL cast member yeah. and like episode seven someone said AD Bryant and that was like five years ago and I was like incorrect like yeah. I I wasn't on board but you mentioned that innocence that really triggers to me like my favorite things that she does like yeah. back early on there's like that the two girls like two high school girls that had like their own like yeah. Um, her and Cecily doing like yeah. the, the, the the school TV show, like oh my gosh, yeah. And her, um, I I'm, I brought up like the the girl that travels with her family, yeah, and reports back on on Weekend Update, like. But even when she's playing, like, a, there was one recently where she was having like a a bridal shower or something, and they were all giving her gifts. The the the, the signs. gross signs, yeah. And like she just has some. There's like a twinkle in her eye. Will Ferrell has it too. It's just like a uh not forced like ability and it's I don't know it's like a a little I don't even know what the word is a little scamp I call it there's, there's a little mischief there's a little mischief, mischief that's it um yeah I love that if you, and it's so rare to see it Melissa McCarthy has it she has it Will Ferrell has it um Tracy Morgan has it a little bit too yeah there's more danger to Tracy Morgan yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> it's mega mischief <laughs> yeah um so you mentioned doing more shows live now are you doing solo work or little rascals so hanging uh, out like what so what are you Savannah doing is still like she has a you know she has a pandemic, pandemic baby she's a grown-up so uh it's when i think when her baby's older and she's able to like you know get back out then we'll continue rascals but for now i'm uh yeah, I'm performing a second city and I'm, and then I'm doing solo stuff. So I started doing more solo. Um, I did it. I always did some, but it was usually musical, mm-hmm. but now uh, I started doing some more solo sketch. Um, and so I applied for a sketch fest by myself for the first time. Uh, and just, and yeah, I just did a bunch of characters and um, that's what will be in the digital fest this year. And I did, I did JF just for laughs in 2018 I think um I did the new faces characters they asked me to do that so I oh cool yeah so it was very cool I did I did 10 minutes of characters then so but then since then I hadn't done like a ton of solo stuff um but I still I still can and I I like doing it I just again it's editing (laughs) making it not too long it's just me up there so yeah yeah if yeah, if you if you have ten minutes to do characters, I I, I doubt you want to do like one eight minute one, mm-hmm. and then two short ones. Like, and I can't be getting like, that good balance of yeah. And like, I know I got a lot of wigs and beards, but like, I can't be like swapping them out. I got no time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As we're winding down, you know, we've talked about like 
going through the second city thing you've done the groundlings which is fantastic because like i keep getting those emails and yeah. I, I keep being like i know Should like I? it's it's such a tempting thing at on one hand like the the one not it's not the one positive but a positive that has come out of the pandemic is that all the the comedy things that you could want to do have gone digital so theoretically yeah. some dude in the middle of iowa could get that comedy experience that yeah. they wouldn't have got, had previously because like yeah. my class that i did with the groundlings like there was a dude from texas there was you know like yeah there's, and then there's some pretty well spread out like comedians and then there's some um you know a lot of uk people um so i've done as much i've gone as far as i can i think online so mm. i would have to go there in person to finish the rest which obviously that's like a dream and that's what i would love to do but if i were american i would just show up <laughs> and, make, and make it work but, but there's a giant border that's an yeah. issue right now <laughs> yeah so, um so I ask, uh, what's something that you've learned from your comedy experience that you would pass on to a new writer? I, I think I would say like, get out of your head. Like, don't overthink everything before you put it out there. Like for writing or for improv or whatever you're doing, if you, if you edit so much while you're putting it on paper or before like an improvised line comes out it will make you crazy one <laughs> and two it won't be like the most fun authentic thing so I would say like put it all out there first and then you can go back and look at it and then maybe you won't change a thing or maybe you will so I find that's like made you made me feel the most like free and like the most like true to myself if I just put my first thoughts like I think this is funny I'm gonna write it and then maybe tomorrow I won't but right now I do and this is what's gonna be out there and that's a lot of what I do in improv too I say whatever and then I justify it after <laughs> well I, I feel like that's improv at its core so yeah that's that but, but a lot of people think too much and you can see it so I would say especially like for women like we we are trying to like say the right perfect thing like maybe there's you know often less spots for us out there so just put it out there own it and put out your genuine first thoughts and yeah i forgot to ask this earlier because i'm always curious with uh canadians is there something canadian whether it's comedy music anything that you would recommend to a an american to hunt down uh, oh, something to watch or yeah. see, or I was going to say <laughs> this before you said the recommend to American part, I was going to say like, kindness is not, we is not weakness, <laughs> but no, but Americans are kind too. I, I was going to say in general, like um, my boyfriend's a stand up, and I know it's a very like solo uh, type of comedy and it's very like competitive, um, but like improv and sketch is so like collaborative. So it's like sometimes being friends with people and and being like kind and polite is it, like it's not it's not like a weakness or being a doormat. It's like something that will serve you as well. That was what I was gonna say. <laughs> but as far as something Canadian to watch, uh, 
watch the molds of grassies because I was an extra every day on set. <laughs> you'll, you'll see me opening lockers. <laughs> you'll, you'll see me at the prom falling down. Like how old of Degrassi? <laughs> like which like, era of Degrassi? Uh, like I guess like 2008 Drake, the Drake year. Okay. I'm in the background. Not, not the original Degrassi's. No, no. Uh, the Drake years. He spun me in a circle at the prom once in his wheelchair. Uh, fancy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So check out Degrassi. Either to inspire <laughs> you to write some terrible sketches or to just find my curly hair in the background of most episodes. <laughs> uh, and finally, we, uh, you had mentioned, you know, when we were talking about like, trying to be a theater actor and you know Shakespeare and basically being inherently comedic in your roles why comedy why why is comedy driven so much of your life last decade and a half or whatever yeah I think um I you know it's it's cliche and simple but I I really like making people laugh it seems to be like what I am the best at. And like, you know, I might not be confident in like a lot of other parts of myself, but for some reason, that's like the only thing I know that I'm good at. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so that has driven me to like, keep doing it. I enjoy it more than anything else. Um, and it's like, it's a pretty great way to spend your days laughing being made to laugh by your peers and friends making other people laugh it's just kind of like it's hard to stay in a bad mood or or you know a bad place no matter what when you're doing comedy or being made to laugh so there's that aspect and then also it just I just happen to be good at it and I I I'm like not very good at other things <laughs> yeah. to be fully honest do do the thing you're good at not necessarily the things that you're not so good yeah. at like I drive a car but like I'm not good at driving the car but like I do it <laughs> ask anybody ask Emily <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> all right thanks Chelsea thank you oh wait and I have to be the better twin okay so, the better twin is the funniest twin. That's right. I, told, I totally forgot about that. That <laughs> That's the goal. And I, well, I didn't say it before, but I thought it was interesting that like you chose to be the quote unquote better twin in performative ways, not necessarily yeah. like, <laughs> in, like behavioral. Person. Like, yeah, you weren't like, he oh, had that I, need, covered. I need to be the A student. I need oh. to be the. He already was. So, so I couldn't. I had so you to, went to, okay. I was like, because every, even the teachers would be like, there's a good twin and a bad twin. Like they would say, they put that on us when we were really little. So I was like, well, if he's getting all the good grades and everyone thinks he's the cutest, like, I guess I'm bad. So here I go. I'm going to Tanya it up and like be a little shit and <laughs> be funny. <laughs> so yeah. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you. This is so fun. Chelsea Larkin is making her solo sketch debut with The Chels Stands Alone on Friday, March 25th in the 830 block of Toronto Sketch Fest. You can follow her on Instagram at Chels Lark 
and on TikTok at ChelsLark66. She's working on a show that will premiere at Toronto Fringe Festival later this summer. I'll be hosting Sketch Train, Toronto Sketch Fest's late-night online open mic on Saturday, March 26th, after the rest of the programming ends, which will probably be around 11 o'clock in the east. TorontoSketchFest.com Then the following week, I'll be back hosting Sketchybator, Philly Sketch Fest, late-night online open mic, on Friday, April 1st at 10 p.m. Learn more about that at Sketchybator.com And if you're listening to this and you want to get involved in sketch comedy, a good place to start is with the Crossroads Comedy Theater here in Philadelphia with their Intro to Sketch Comedy class, taught by Carolyn Beatty, starting March 23rd on Zoom. Check out xroadscomedy.com for more information. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at facebook.com slash phlsketchfest. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.